Hebrews chapter 9, uh, beginning with verse 15, hear the word of God. Uh, one more comment before you hear the word of God. Um, you, one of the things you'll see in here is uh, the word covenant and the word will, and it's talking about like a last will and testament, when so, someone's will for when they die. Uh, and it's this, the same word, you'll, you'll see this interchange, but the same word for covenant is the word for will, and it just goes back and uh, forth here, but it starts off speaking of Jesus. I hear the word of God. Therefore, he, Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant, or will, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not enforced as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant or will was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to the people, he, all, he took the blood of cows and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. In the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands which are copies of true things, uh, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on his word. Uh, Lord, our God, we thank you uh, that you speak to us. We thank you that we can open uh, this book and read the words that you tell us are, um, are from you, uh, that you breathe out life uh, to us in these words because your spirit is working in them. Uh, Lord, we confess that we come tonight um, with many doubts, with many struggles, uh, with complaints, um, with hardships that we're in. Uh, with guilt, we come struggling to, uh, to believe the gospel, uh, struggling to understand. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to us tonight uh, where we're at. Um, Lord, we pray uh, that you would encourage us that the gospel uh, reaches to us in our rebellion, in our turning away uh, from you, that you turn us back. We pray that you would do so tonight. Lord, we pray that your word would transform us, uh, encourage us, that Christ would be exalted. Uh, in, our, in us and, and, and through us, Lord, for your glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. It is a struggle uh, to believe. It's a struggle to, to believe the gospel, to believe Christianity, to believe uh, the claims of Christ, and to, to live those out. Um, life is short, um, and I think we want, most of the time, we want to make the most of, of what we've got uh, while we can, still can, there's a lot of opportunities that are, that are around us for, for pleasure for now, for something that's going to make me uh, encouraged today or happy today or maybe for the weekend. Um, and it's difficult when, 
when Christianity calls us away from most of that, um, when, the, when the temptations of sin are, are pulling out us, the pressure against the gospel uh, is, is weighing on us, it's difficult not to wonder if we're, if we're kind of getting the short end of the stick um, with this, with what we're giving out. And Hebrews puts it this way right at the end there. It's appointed for man to die once and then judgment. It would be scary to, to think about that death and then evaluation, right? But, but Hebrews didn't say it at all to, to scare us or to make you uh, worry. If you look at the context of the passage, it's saying that rather to encourage. Um, the whole passage is to encourage us that, that we're very far from having the, the short end of the stick. Uh, but in fact, in Christ, uh, you are beneficiaries. Uh, beneficiaries of his will inheriting uh, what he gives. We're not uh, left on our own, by ourselves, to make for ourselves the best that we can from whatever our efforts can put forth. Um, Rather, what this passage has shown us is that all the best has been left uh, for us, given to us uh, through Christ. Uh, Because of his death, we inherit uh, every benefit through him, Uh, not just now and temporary, but even uh, lastingly, eternally, uh, an inheritance. Um, I don't know if y'all get the same kind of junk mails uh, that I do, but wouldn't it be great if some of those junk mails, some of them you wouldn't want to be true. Some of those junk mails, it would be great if they were true. If you get the one, you know, from the, uh, like you, you're a beneficiary of someone and some relative that you didn't know about that doesn't have your last name or anything else uh, from some foreign country and you're the sole surviving uh, person and they were a billionaire or millionaire or whatever in their whole estate and they've, they've looked and they're, uh, they found that you're the one that benefits from this. And so if you'll just provide your account number, they'll be glad to, uh, to send all this to you, right? Um, and sometimes it's fun. You know, you're never going to click on that link there because something drastic is going to happen. You won't be able to use your netbook to have a projector come up. Um, but, but it's kind of fun sometimes to like, think about it. You're like, wow, that would be kind of fun. You're like, what spring break trip would I be going on if I had that kind of inheritance? I'll, I'll take all of you and we'll go like, travel the world for a week somewhere. Um, you know, that's what, that's what we're... We'd love to look forward to Well, hopefully, uh, as we go through this passage, hopefully this passage won't enter, enter your mind and go into your junk mail folder um, because the truth of it is encouragement uh, for us to have excitement in all that we receive uh, through Christ. Uh, opening up uh, his, if you will, in some sense, his last will and testament and seeing the names of those who believe in him uh, written there. Those trusting in Christ are uh, receiving all his benefits. Uh, confidence that we can have in a lasting relationship with God, of love and acceptance uh, through Christ. Uh, so the first, first point as we go through uh, is, is death for transgressors. You've got on your uh, um, uh, um, <clears throat> little sheet there as well. Uh, death for transgressors, death for those who, who overstep uh, the boundary. And you could take that wrong. I said encouraging. This is not like the little sign, like trespassers will be shot. Um, do you see who the beneficiaries of the will are? The beneficiaries of Christ's death. Um, it's transgressors. It's people who've overstepped the boundary, who've, who've, gone, um, who've gone too far. He's the, he's the mediator of the new covenant. Um, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Uh, it's for those who went beyond 
God's boundaries that he set, uh, particularly talks about in the, in the Old Covenant. We can just take that, maybe the core part of the Book of the Covenant of the Ten Commandments, right, that we're, we're familiar with uh, a little bit for those who are, are called, but those who are, who are transgressors. And we look at the Ten Commandments and, I mean, you can kind of hear like, oh, maybe I think I've got that. And you get to the end and it's like, uh, you shouldn't covet anything that belongs to someone else, right? Um, so I'm like, shoot, maybe, maybe it would feel like you worked away, but man, there's a lot of things that I de- desire that I see someone else is like, not even, not even like their nice car or their new computer or their, uh, their good looks or their success. I can't desire those things or, or idolatry when we start looking at it as more than just having some particular you know, metal object that we're looking to, but that our, that our life is serving something else for, for, for some other purpose and following that instead of God. Um, well, it might have, might have been a little bit outside the, the boundaries, overstepped a, a time or two, uh, right? Or, and when Christ talks about in the New Testament to say that, that, um, that it, the crossing the commandment of, of adultery begins with lusting in the heart or crossing the commandment not to kill uh, begins with bitterness or hatred uh, toward anyone that you know. Um, we're those transgressors. Um, we've stepped outside the bounds of what God said we, we should do. Um, it's transgressors that Jesus lists as his beneficiaries in his will. Um, it's transgressors uh, that he's died for, uh, that inherit all that he has gained. Uh, his death is a death uh, for transgressors. It's a death uh, in their place and for their benefit, in our place, uh, for our benefit. We rely on Jesus, his death instead of ours, that he's uh, redeemed us uh, from those transgressions, uh, released us from that deserved punishment, uh, freed us from the penalty. It's through the wages of sin is death, uh, but Christ has died for us to redeem us from it. And the passage goes on as a speech of death that immediately turns to, uh, turns to blood, right? And I don't know what you think of when you, uh, when you see blood. Um, some people get really squeamish, you know, or you're watching a scene in a movie and then all of a sudden, like, their blood's there. And you're like, ah, something horrible is happening. Or, or some of you even just, just seen blood. Karen's a nurse, right? And she, uh, she can do stuff with blood, whatever, and not have any problems until it's her own blood. And then Karen, like, she's like, all right, I need to sit down and, like, drink something. Um, it doesn't usually bother me too much until there's been times that when you're sitting in the chair like giving blood and you're watching them just take the needle and just stick it into your vein and you see it just, I'm not trying to be overly, but yeah, I've just sat there and thought like, I'm allowing them voluntarily just to take like my life blood out of my body. This is, this is, uh, this is strange. This is unusual, uh, at least. This passage talks a lot about blood and in the first covenant and in the new covenant through Christ, through his will. Um, and in the old covenant, it talks of the blood of, of calves and goats and the new uh, Christ blood. And if you picture what's being described uh, in the passage, you could go back to uh, Exodus 24 particularly uh, and read about it. Um, it might make you a little bit squeamish. Um, that this passage says almost everything uh, has, has blood on it, right? The, the, the covenant itself, uh, the people of God are sprinkled with they're, they're red drops of blood uh, on people's faces, on their clothing, uh, as they're gathered around from the bulls and goats that have been, uh, that have been killed there. Uh, the, the vessels for worship, almost everything it says, is purified with that blood. Uh, First Peter, uh, talking about it in terms of the New Covenant, even speaks of, of us as sprinkled clean with Christ's blood. 
So maybe when we see uh, blood, right, blood makes you think of death. And maybe when we see blood, we think of death, and it makes us, makes us squeamish. But the passage just emphasizes that when God sees blood, uh, he thinks of death, and, and that we're forgiven. Christ's blood uh, that's covered us, the death that, that our sins have deserved it, it has been, been paid. We've been covered uh, through Christ's uh, death, through his, uh, his covering us. Christ's blood has been shed, and there's for forgiveness. Christ says, without the shedding of blood, uh, there's no forgiveness of sins, but, but with Christ's blood being shed is forgiveness. It's accepted in God's, in God's eyes because of because of his covenant, because of his will uh, in Christ for us, his blood is, is purifying us. Uh, it's making it acceptable in God's sight, cleansing, uh, forgiving, our sins uh, being removed. I don't know what your uh, transgressions are that you think about, right? You don't use the word transgressions a lot. When you start thinking of the, the bigger things, sleeping around or drugs or lusting or lying or cheating or maybe it's other things just just hurting people, uh, being mean, not loving your neighbor, excluding others, gossiping, being bitter, uh, just seeing how selfish you are, or prideful you are, or lazy, or whatever. Uh, but as we come uh, through Jesus' blood, um, we're seen as forgiven. We are uh, forgiven. We're clean, purified. Uh, there's no more reason for guilt. We have a full relationship of love uh, with, you know, with, the heavenly, uh, with the Heavenly Father, with the holy, all-perfect, eternal God, and He looks at us and sees blood, Christ's blood, and loves us, embraces us as pure, as acceptable, as loved, as approved uh, in His sight. Um, we're in, it's, it's, Jesus has earned that relationship with God and through his will, uh, we're the beneficiaries of it. Uh, we benefit uh, by enjoying God's acceptance through him. We're the beneficiaries uh, because of his death. Um, he's, he's no longer dead, uh, but raised. And the passage goes on to say that he uh, appears, uh, in verse 24, he appears in the presence of God on our behalf. Not uh, continually being hurt uh, each time we sin uh, before God or are still, uh, still bleeding. It's not that he would suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world, but it's, it's once for all time. His death is final. Uh, it's complete. Uh, it's fulfilled. And because his death is ended, the guilt of our sin is ended. It's removed. To put away, it says here, um, for the once for all, at the end of the ages, to put away sin uh, by the sacrifice of himself. Um, and you can translate it, he, he ended it or he removed it. Um, I can go through for myself, and when I start thinking of transgressions, that list can keep going on and on. Um, and to say that God can look and not through Christ's sacrifice once for all, everything that I've put on that list, any, everything that I can put on the list in the future, is taken off. It's removed. Uh, it's covered through Christ's death uh, for us, through his blood purifying us, through, his, uh, through us being the beneficiaries of his will. Um, I know we continue to, to sin before God, but it's removed because Christ uh, stands before God for us, interceding for us. So that your, your sin can no longer come between uh, you and God because Christ stands between you and God. Uh, no longer guilty through him. 
So all that's, that's left is the, is the enjoyment of the relationship. Enjoyment of a new uh, relationship with God. A new covenant when we're loved by God. Or as uh, Hebrews said earlier in Hebrews 8, where he remembers your sin no more. It's a relationship that we long for. And even all the benefits that are, that are part of that relationship. Now we come to the second point, um, inheritance, right? Beneficiaries of his will is his death uh, for us as transgressors. And then an inheritance that he gives, uh, that it's inheritance forever. And we inherit from the, from the will all that was Christ, all that belonged to him. Um, so it says back in verse uh, 15, um, that, uh, that those who are called may receive the promise eternal uh, inheritance. If I received an inheritance, I want to be, be kind of excited if there's like a money inheritance or property or whatever things, but I think pretty quickly I would be, I'd be wondering um, how long is it going to last, right? Or what all can I do with it? How big can I splurge and still be, still be set, right? And still be all right? How much can I go, go buy or how many, where can I go on vacations and what can I enjoy uh, if I get that big of an, of an inheritance? But um, how, how long is it going to last? Or you take the, you know, in Scripture, you have the story of the, the prodigal son uh, who um, comes to his father. His father's not dead. He's like, give me, give me inheritance now. Give me my share of it. Uh, now I want to want to go out and, and enjoy. And he he goes on and he wastes it on uh, partying with his friends and enjoys it to its full until it all runs out. But it all it all runs out on him. It's good for a while, uh, but but then what? But the inheritance that we have in Christ uh, is different. It's lasting. It's it's eternal. It says it never runs out. It lasts forever. You can splurge all you want. Uh, you can enjoy uh, everything it gives uh, now and on and on and on. Uh, but we're, there's no need for us to hold back or to, or to plan how frequently we can come to God or how much we can ask for Him or how much He might care about us or, or worry about whether we're going to wear that relationship out in some sense. Uh, through Christ, uh, you have an eternal inheritance that you can never uh, wear out or use up. What kind, of, what kind of inheritance is it then, right? It's not, it's not money. What do we get that lasts forever from Christ's will if we're reading it? The passage doesn't say uh, much in terms of the particulars. Although we can answer it this way, though, that we, from the passage, we, we get what it is that Christ has possessed, that Christ has earned, that belongs to Christ. Uh, through his death, it's given to us. We're the beneficiaries of it through faith in him, uh, which in terms of earthly possessions was not very much, right? Um, but, uh, but heavenly riches that are, that are incomparable. Ephesians 1, right, says in Christ we have uh, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul's overflowing with his praise. Every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ Jesus. Or First Peter describes this inheritance that's, that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's reserved in heaven for you. Right? Uh, that sense that we're, we have it in part now, but in, but in fullness we're still, uh, still looking forward to. We're still waiting. Uh, still to come. Uh, but, but more so in terms of what that inheritance is, we've already seen in Hebrews that, this, uh, that the covenant is relationship with God. 
Uh, this is the new covenant, this new way of relating to God in fullness uh, in an unbreakable way. <clears throat> and what we inherit through Christ and his death or his, uh, the, the, his will as beneficiaries of it, we inherit the relationship with God that Jesus enjoyed. The way he related to God is the way we get to relate uh, to the Father. <clears throat> what, do you, what do you think God thought of, of Jesus? Right? Um, how much do you think God loved Jesus? How proud do you think he was of his son constantly? And that's the relationship that we have with God through Christ. That's what he has, uh, has bestowed on us, has left uh, for us. How much do you think that God accepted Jesus? Uh, how freely could Jesus come to God and be, be welcomed and be accepted and be adored? in whatever circumstances, and whatever troubles he was going through, and Jesus prayed through struggles. Um, how often do you think God listened to Jesus' prayers, uh, his difficulties, and cared about him, provided for him? How much was God willing uh, to do for Jesus, to honor him? God exalted him through the resurrection uh, above all, a name that's above uh, every name. We're told that we get to reign uh, with Christ, that we're even now seated with him, uh, in some sense uh, reigning, but in, in fullness uh, to come. This is the relationship that we have with God through Jesus. It's from his will. This is the new covenant. The Spirit of God living in us, being with us, equipping us even as uh, the Spirit equipped by Christ, assuring us uh, through Christ that we have a privileged place in God's uh, family, that we are sons, that we get to call him Father, a new covenant relationship through Christ as our priest. And it's a relationship that's unbreakable, that we can't screw up. Um, it's a relationship that lasts uh, for eternity because it's already been secured by Christ. He has earned it, and in his, uh, in his death, he left the will that we receive it through faith in him. And it's ours through his death. But there's a sense still that we're still waiting. We have that relationship uh, now, but we're, we're still waiting for the, for the fullness of that inheritance. We don't yet get to enjoy all its privileges. Uh, we know God's love uh, by, by faith, but we're looking forward when we get to know it uh, by sight, uh, by hearing God's voice of approval uh, to us in Christ. Um, as soon as Tassus talks about uh, judgment, he doesn't talk about it with fear. He doesn't talk about it with worry. He doesn't talk about it not to, to scare you. It, he talks about it because of eagerness, right? He's appointed for man to die once, and after that the judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. We think of that... That end after death and judgment and evaluation, it's, it's eagerness because that's when we get not what we deserve, but what Christ has deserved and what he's freely given to us, bestowed on us uh, through his death. There's an eagerness and excitement in the waiting. Um, it's, not to, it's not to deal with sin, the passage says. That's what we're afraid of. We're like, oh, but Jesus has done all this, but I know what all I've done, and I know that God still knows those things. It's not to deal with sin. Sin's been dealt with uh, for the believer, for those who would come to Christ. Sin's been dealt with already in Christ's death. It's been put away. It's removed. It's not to deal with sin. 
uh, that Christ uh, comes back again in this sense uh, for it, but for the salvation of those who are uh, eagerly waiting for him. Our guilt, our fears of rejection or condemnation get to be removed. And we're looking for the, for the full enjoyment of it, where our hearts, how they, how they rise and they fall uh, day by day as we see what's going on in our life, or how we feel, whether we feel like God loves us or not, or how we see our, our obedience maybe seems to rise and then it seems to fall and our emotions with it. Uh, but when that day comes, no longer, there's the fullness of it. The full assurance where we can't have nothing to cry about or, or, or be upset about anymore because we have God's presence with us saying, you are my people, I am with you. Paul is right, I approve of you. It's a full salvation, a full rescue um, when he returns, awaiting eagerly uh, for him to give us all that he's promised. That's how we're to look at it. Uh, for him to give us a place in the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, for him to give us a passage, uh, a room that he's prepared for us uh, in his father's house. A home in a new city that doesn't have a temple uh, because it is a temple, because it is the place of God's dwelling everywhere in it. Um, eating of the tree of life, walking uh, by the water of life, worshiping the Lord, and even reigning, uh, Revelation says, forever and ever. Our inheritance in Christ is an eternal inheritance. Christ is our benefactor. He has died and he has given us all that belong to him. We enjoy it freely by His grace. Uh, the fullness of that time hasn't come yet, though. And right now, uh, it's still a struggle. A struggle uh, to believe. A struggle to believe that Christ's death uh, can really cover us, can really cover our transgressions when we find ourselves having overstepped the same boundary again and again. And again, when we find the more that we look and, and, and learn about God's word, the more we see how many boundaries we've stepped past, how, how far, how offensive our transgressions are before God. It's a struggle to believe that, that we're still, that that sin's removed, uh, that we're sprinkled clean in Christ's blood, that we're forgiven, we're accepted and approved. The struggle to believe that Christ's privilege could really be ours. That, that God could care to what's going on with me the way that he cares what's going on with his son? We get to be called male and female his sons with a privilege in his family and in his kingdom? Um, that his love, the way he adores uh, Jesus is how he even adores us uh, in Christ. That's hard to believe. I want to believe that. But I know other ugly things in me. The gospel is, is that is, is true. But no matter how much you feel that way, it's not about how much you can, uh, not about how much you can make for yourself. Not how much you can get out of life uh, now, on uh, a temporary. You're not, you're not left to yourself. It's what Christ has left uh, for you uh, from himself and his will. Those of you that aren't sure if you believe uh, the gospel or not, or are not sure if you want uh, to believe it, you can see what you can, what you can get for yourself now and, and enjoy that. But how good is it? How good is it really? It's good for a little while. It lasts for a little bit. How long does the high last? How long does the enjoyment last? Where does it end up? Is it really satisfying? Is it, 
Is it partially just a way of escaping the difficulties that life are anyway? Well, I would go to it. Place offers something more, uh, something deeper, uh, something that includes hardship now uh, and, and eternity, something lasting. But it means realizing that we need to be covered in blood, uh, covered in Christ's blood, because death is what we deserve. But the way is the name for us to be accepted, fully accepted, whatever baggage uh, we're bringing to the table. That his blood purifies us uh, before God, even forever. For those of you uh, in the faith with struggling, I think all of us are struggling. Uh, we may we may often we may often give in to the, tem- the temptation of those temporary pleasures. Now, right? We see those things. It's what we want. It's what we uh, start to go after. Uh, we may often overstep the boundaries and transgress. Uh, you are the beneficiaries of Christ's death. Uh, His will uh, for transgressors. Uh, your sin has been removed. It's been removed before God. It's taken away. It's ended. No more guilt. Uh, no more shame before Him. You get to bask uh, in all the glories of God's love, of all that He uh, gives to us, coming, uh, coming freely as the sons of God to, to experience forgiveness again and again and again, uh, to, forget, to, to experience His love uh, overcoming our sins, coming worshiping and knowing His acceptance, uh, knowing His love being reminded of the, the lasting relationship that we have with God that's unbreakable from what we do. As Christ has secured it, I cling to Christ. I cling to him in that struggle, waiting eagerly for all this to come uh, because the death has already happened uh, and, and the covenant's being uh, doled out to us, the Spirit's being poured out to us through Christ. All the promises that are are still to come. His promise uh, assures us. His covenant, his his last will and testament has secured it, that the struggle is worth it. It's worth it. Worth the temporary pleasures we're giving up, worth the hardships that we're going through, um, worth all that because all that belongs to Christ uh, becomes ours as well. If you looking to Christ, if you're relying on Him, um, I don't care what's in your bank account, I don't care what you think the, the, the things that you've done earned before God, or, or how far you think they would put you away from God. Uh, come to this passage, come back at the Hebrews and what it's saying here, and look at Christ's death and saying, I'm a beneficiary. Through Christ, I got this awesome email. It's in junk. Um, it's what Christ Himself has done for me. This is a relative I didn't know that I got any benefit from. And he says to you, uh, in your sin and in your transgression, my death uh, has benefits for you. All that is mine is yours. The relationship of love that I have with my Father is yours. Uh, Your sin, I've removed. The the inheritance that I have, it's reserved in heaven for you. I'll wait for me. I'm coming. Wait eagerly that you'll enjoy it, but hold on and cling to me. Um, come back to this passage. Remind yourself through the Spirit, through the truth of God's Word, that in Christ, uh, you are beneficiaries of His glory and of His grace for you. Let's pray.
Uh, Lord God, we thank you uh, for the encouragement of the word uh, that you would bring us to Christ. Lord, we thank you for your love uh, that would send your son, that he, that he would die and be rejected, um, that we might receive good gifts and love from you. Uh, Lord, it's, it's encouraging to our hearts to consider it now. Um, hearts are slow to believe and our minds are slow to believe it. And even as we may in part believe it now, um, uh, as, as we struggle later, as our sin overwhelms us, uh, as temptations surround us, uh, Lord, we, we need your help to think that these things can be true to believe that they can be true uh, of messed up, broken people like us uh, because of the glory of Christ. Lord, we pray that your grace would overwhelm our sin, uh, that we would uh, come to you and be changed, uh, that we would constantly be transformed, that we would rest in your grace and wait eagerly for you. Uh, We pray all this um, with the confidence that you give us in Christ. In his name, amen.